Welcome to Capturing the Abandoned, a foray into the world of rural and urban abandoned exploration. Hello, my name is Vincent Gerhardt, and along with my co-host Lex Nichols, I would like to welcome you to Episode 2 of Capturing the Abandoned. This podcast is for and about rural and urban abandoned explorers, and you can find our Instagram feed at Capturing the Abandoned and on our Facebook page by the same name. And in this episode, we have an entertaining extended interview with our talented guest, so we're just going to jump right into it. We are very excited to have an opportunity to interview Vincent David Johnson, a professional freelance photographer from Chicago and a fellow abandoned explorer that we've been following on Instagram for quite some time now. Vincent's pet project is called Lost Americana, and the following statement from his website pretty much sums up his mission. Lost Americana isn't about saving old buildings or preserving a way of life. It's about what happens when 30 million people leave and the ruins they leave behind. Wow, that's powerful. Vincent's first post on Instagram as Lost Americana is a picture of a once beautiful old barn located in his hometown of Juliet, Illinois. This image was posted on July 1st, 2015, and after that first image kicked it off, he later hit 10,000 followers in just over a little year later on August 17, 2016, and he now has 13,400 plus followers. You can find Vincent's Lost Americana on Instagram, Facebook, and on the website as Lost Americana. From his scope of work, it is very apparent that Vincent is a talented and passionate photographer and a man on a mission. And now, here's our interview with a fellow abandoned explorer, Mr. Vincent David Johnson. So what we want to do is give the listening audience a little 401 on yourself, you know, your background, your education, anything mm-hmm. you want to let people know about yourself, you know, as much or as little bit as you want. So if you want to just sure. kick it off and tell us what is it you do? All right. Uh, so um, essentially a little background about me. Uh, my name is Vincent uh, David Johnson. I am a photojournalist by trait. I operate out of Chicago, uh, live actually in the city, not far from downtown. My background is I went to Columbia College in Chicago and Got my degree in photojournalism back in 1999, uh, last century for uh, for those of you out there playing along. Um, I have shot pretty much on and off for, well, pretty much on for newspapers and magazines since that time. Uh, I started freelancing back in 1996 and for my hometown paper that I grew up at, you know, where I grew up at, which was Joliet, Illinois. And then uh, after that, just you know, got a couple of miscellaneous jobs here and there. The photography business is, is a rough one when you're trying to get into it full time. For those of you who are thinking about it, uh, I will I will always caution you very, very much. We'll look over your business plan for a long, long time before you make that jump from a nine to five to uh, just photography. Um, yep. And then after that, I went into, uh, you know, started doing commercial photography because freelancing for the newspapers wasn't really paying the bills. Uh, I do a lot of commercial work now, uh, mainly very photojournalism-esque type uh, stuff. So I, I shoot a lot of events more than I actually do product photography. So I, I do do portrait work, but most of what I do is I, I do a lot of work for nonprofits, I guess would be the the best way to say it. Like outside of newspaper work, I'll shoot for companies that 
you know, are usually mission driven and need somebody to go out and capture what they're doing as opposed to, you know, what they're selling. Like, you know, I'm not shooting widgets cool. in a studio on a daily basis. How did you get into the, your project that you were working on? Oh, completely by accident. Uh, <laughs> 100% accidental, I would say. Um, it's, it's kind of like photography in general. I mean, I, my first time I ever got a camera was this little 120, like thumb wind and point and shoot thing that my dad gave me that essentially looked like a, a small thin brick, uh, basically a cell phone from, you know, like the year 2000. He gave that to me. I started shooting, took a lot of pictures. He developed it and was like, okay, it's, I think we went on vacation. I shot like four rolls of film to like his one. He's like, you're too expensive. I'm taking the camera back. (laughs) Then in high school, I started, yeah, I started shooting again and then kind of gave it up because I wanted to be in stuff senior year and then accidentally got into photography again. And when I bought a used camera in college and then went with the whole career. And so for the lost Americana project kind of is the same way. Like I was just, while I was in a photography class at a junior college, I started driving around taking pictures of like, you know, random stuff. And one of the things that kind of caught my eye was these old barns that were, you know, up and down the uh, the roads to and from like when I'd be going to school or when I'd go to my house. Because uh, where I was from is Joliet, Illinois. It's kind of right on this urban rural divide uh, between like where Chicago kind of officially ends and where the rest of Illinois kind of begins, uh, depending on who you're talking to. And so, I mean, it, you know, at five minutes, I was I was in cornfields in most cases. And so I just started taking photos of them and then, you know, never thought much of it and moved up to Chicago to go to a a four-year college. And then somewhere along the way, I was doing a project on uh, the I&M Canal. Uh, And I'm sorry if this is the boring way around telling the story, but (laughs) I, if you know where the I&M Canal is, it went from Chicago all the way down to roughly uh, this town called Ottawa, which is a good, hundred or so miles away at least. And, uh, there's not much there left of the canal. So I was kind of retracing the, the, what was left there and looking for good photos and there was none. And so here I was stuck like, you know, 120 miles away from Chicago. I got this final project I got to start working on for my photo class. And I just decided to take the slow road back to Chicago, like taking country roads and, you know, got off the highway and started shooting these abandoned farms that were out there. And, uh, before you know it, somebody's like, Oh, it's, I like those photos. Like that's the, you know, I was printing them up in the dark room and they're like, those look good. Like you should do more of that. And, you know, or, you know, maybe I just thought I should do more of it. It's a little hazy now. You know how college is. It's all <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. What really got it going is, you know, I went to school for photojournalism and one of the greatest things that, uh, you know, Columbia made me do, although I hated it then was I had to take, not just all the photo classes that I had, but I had to take like an extra 12 hours of journalism classes. So beyond having the photography skills, I now had a a decent foot in the door in journalism skills. And one of the things I started doing is I started asking questions like, Hey, why is this barn vacant? Why, when I go to this small little town is main street empty? Like what's going on? What's the story behind this? And, and that was roughly, you know, 1996 through, you know, 1998, 99 while I was in college. And then the rest of it just kind of morphed. I, you know, my senior project was Lost Americana. And, you know, it's when I officially gave it a name. And then I just kind of never stopped doing my senior project from college. That's awesome. When I was on your website, uh, I saw the trailer. You got a new little uh, movie coming out, huh? I'm hoping I do. So I will say this. I, uh, I, when I revamped the website back in like 2015, I got 
you know, I was showing to my friends before I went live, but I'm like, Hey, give me some feedback. And one of my friends, um, and this is the reason why you never give me an idea. Cause I, I end up running with it. <laughs> so like, Oh my God, I can't wait to see this on discovery channel. And this was no, there was no video there. It was just, it was, you know, and I was like, Oh, like, I never thought about doing a documentary video of this too. Like I was, my whole idea was always just to shoot photos, get stories and, and do a book with, you know, some of those stories intertwined with, you know, facts and stats about, you know, things that are going on in rural America with population decline. And so, you know, I jumped the gun a little bit and started, you know, basically just doing video while I was out there taking stills. And I, I made that, I think towards the end of 2015, early 2016. And so uh, yeah, I had a few of my friends who do, they've done books and they've done short doc films and they're like, you should do both at the same time. And I think they thought I was going to do like a little 15, 20 minute thing. And, you know, my plan's always been to kind of do like a full hour and a half feature documentary. You know, it kind of gave me goosebumps because it, it seemed a lot like, uh, uh, it was like, you know, what's, what's happening to the farmers now, what's happening to rural America. And it just, you know, it struck home for me. So Anyway, I appreciate that, and and uh, it was fun to watch, and I hope you can uh, finish that up and get it launched. We'll be looking yeah, forward no, to it. Yeah, no, you know, my general idea is to get a book out first, which, you know, I am, you know, putting the pedal to the metal, and uh, the, the goal is to have something solid by the end of this year, whether or not it's designed and ready to go to the printer. But, you know, if, if I have to, you know, if I can't find a, a publisher that's going to kind of upfront everything, then it's probably going to be, like, crowdfunded. But there'll be something, whether it's, you know, a 500 run press or, you know, a 50,000 run press. I'm, I'm getting a book out by the end of the year or, you know, sure. You know, right off the beginning of 2020. I was crossing yeah. my fingers while I was saying all of that, just so you know. <laughs> no, that's good. So Vincent, where exactly, uh, what town do you live in? I, I know you give us a little bit of insight, what you're close to, but where, where are your, what's your central location? Oh, Chicago. I'm smack dab in the middle of Chicago. Everything you do, you have to travel a little bit to get to, uh, you know, yeah, lost yeah. kind of stuff is. I'm, I'm jealous of a lot of the people that I follow on Instagram because I see they're like, yeah, we went out for a drive today and, you know, we found this place. And I'm like, yeah, and I'm like, it's going to take me an hour and a half before I get to anywhere where I could start even shooting half the stuff that, you know, I'm used to. And, you know, obviously you get outside of Chicago and that was part of the original, I, what I thought a lot of these barns were being abandoned for was because of urban sprawl. I mean, that's what I saw all around me. And I think that's what a lot of people that I know that live in city areas think they're like, Oh, these, these places are abandoned because you know, they're going to be a subdivision, you know, next year. A lot of those places now are gone. A lot of the places that were kind of, you know, being left aside while farmers had two or three, you know, fields or, you know, two or three different farms that they consolidated into one. Uh, I know Illinois, I don't know about Colorado, but Illinois has got some, some good farmland. So it went, when the yields and the crop prices went up on a lot of the stuff, I would say back in like, you know, mid to late, late, late 2000, was it late 2000s or like 2010, somewhere around there, 2013, when they started to go up again, a lot of those saw a lot of properties start bulldozing these barns that they were, you know, they wouldn't have bulldozed maybe a decade before because the, it would have taken them too long to regain the money for, you know, all the the work that right. I had to do to make the land profitable. But so, yeah, there used to be a lot of great places to photograph not too far outside of the metro area. And now, yeah, I'm, it's I got to drive to Iowa in some cases, I swear. <laughs> Good deal. Well, I was just 
looking through your feed, which I do pretty regularly, but you have a lot of different types of images in here. You have storefronts, um, barns, houses, a little bit of everything, vehicles. So what, what's your favorite type of images to shoot? I, you know, that's a tough one. I mean, roughly all of them. Uh, football, actually. That's the correct answer. Football is my favorite. Okay. <laughs> Love okay. shooting high school There football. you go. No, uh, but w- which I do do. And it's one of the greatest things like that. I get paid by the Chicago Tribune or Sun-Times or whoever's hiring me to shoot high school football is, you know, like it, That's great. if I die, I'll be happy. But um, it depends. I, what really strikes me is more of the, the actual place that I find. I think there's a certain time frame where things that are kind of, you know, from that 1940s or definitely earlier, like 1920s to like late 1800s, when I find a building that's in that kind of time frame and it's abandoned, you know, it makes me sad as hell, especially some of the beautiful ones, kind of like, you know, God bestowed this gift upon me and I'm going to spend at least an hour here photographing it. And, you know, maybe I'll come back again tomorrow if I'm still in the area. So that's, it's, that's awesome. it's more of that time frame, you know, whether or not it's a main street or an old, I mean, there's a, there's a couple of places that stand out. Some of them are gone now. Manchester, Kansas used to have this gorgeous, gorgeous Mesker facade building that fell down in an earthquake, I think in like 2017 or 2016. And then uh, there's this cute little house in DeWitt, um, Missouri, which is uh, like a Italianette style brick house. And it's just so it's adorable I'm trying to think there's a couple other really great places. There's a schoolhouse in Colorado that, you know, I, I could probably shoot every time I drive by at uh, gas Creek schoolhouse, I think is what it is. It's just outside of, uh, if you ever been up to, to St. Elmo's ghost town. No, huh? I, I've no, seen it. I want to get there. St. Elmo's is amazing. Um, ironically, I photographed the heck out of that, but that's something you'll never see in the feed though, too. So it might be easier to talk about some of the abandoned things I don't, showing the feed sometimes. I mean, uh, one of the things that I've really focused on specifically with Lost Americana, at least at this time, is generally around ranching and, you know, like agriculture, so farming. So I know a lot of people be like, oh, you need to get to Bodie, California, or you need to get to, uh, you know, like this mining town. And I'm like, I'd gladly go there and photograph the heck out of them. I mean, I go to Gary, Indiana every now and again and photograph some of the abandoned stuff that's there, but it's not you know, my particular kind of ilk for Lost Americana is focused on those towns that are, are and areas that are really seeing hard hit because of, you know, essentially two major factors, uh, you know, technical advancements in, in agriculture. I mean, you know, farming yeah. just got a lot more easy. I, I, I mean, I hate saying farming's easy. I know some people would be like, what the hell is he talking about? City <laughs> but for sure. I mean, like, I know 75 year old guys that are still out there farming and, you know, with the exception of the toughest of the tough 50 years ago, you know, you kind of passed the farm on by the time you got to 60. Cause it was, you know, it's, it's not, it, it, it was a lot easier. It's a lot easier now from what I understand. I yeah, mean, you could get a guy auto steer tractors and uh, yeah. big wide. I mean, they can take out 50, 60 feet, maybe even a hundred heads. I don't know. They can go pretty wide now. So they can cover I mean, a lot of territory in a hurry. Yeah. And I mean, one of the staggering facts that I show people is, you know, you you know, basically what happened is you you could have 200 farms in, you know, an area like around a town. And they used to each have on average, like five farmers that needed to run them, you know, hands, ranch, whatever you want to call them. But there was at least five people that were working on that farm on average. 
sometimes more. And the farms were like 200 and something acres. And now it's up to like six, 700 acres. And it's literally like one and a quarter farmers per farm. And so if you wow. think about that, yeah, you, you, you've lost out of those 200 farms, you're maybe down to like, you know, 30. And out of all those people that used to work there, you're, you're down to basically 36 people working. And so, you know, it, it, I mean, that's basically what happened. The farms got bigger, you know, same amount of land in the most cases and just less bodies out there, which means, you know, less kids in a school, which means one less teacher. If the school is still open, uh, you know, one less person to, you know, go to the grocery store. And I mean, you, you guys, I think it's, it's pretty easy to figure out what happens when you start losing people because, you know, they don't have either the side job that farming provided or the full-time job that it provided. Yeah. There's that's, that's happened here a lot too. That's for sure. But it's happened everywhere. Yeah. And I, I, I always see these news stories or they'll, they'll be talking about, oh, this county has been really hard hit this year. And I'm like, you guys don't understand. I'm like, coast to coast, it is. If you are in an agricultural area, I mean, this is, this is what's going on. And it really, it bottomed out in the 90s is when basically the big curve of like that 30 million farmers kind of disappeared. And now what's going on is the elderly people that were out there or the people that maybe had we're still hanging on to a little something or slowly kind of passing away or moving out. And, you know, if you're left in one of these areas, it's because you're on the farm and that's pretty much it in some cases now. Right. You know, and, and around here where we're from Vincent and I, um, it's hard to make it as a small farmer. You, if you're still a small farmer, you're probably just growing and raising crops for your own consumption or for like, like my dad, he was a farmer and, still has a farm but he grew to support you know the sheep he, he was a sheep producer and yeah. we grew up raising hay and all those those commodities and it wasn't to sell it was to feed the sheep and it, it, it was a self-sustaining thing but now it's to a point where you know you you almost have to be big you have to be in it big time and committed and have all the gps tractors and all those things you know so yeah. I totally understand it. It's it's one of those things. It's kind of if you with technology, you have to you have to either roll with it or be run over by it. And it's just the way it is, you know. And a lot of yeah. people refuse to accept that, you know. And it's just that's the way of the times. Yeah. No. Absolutely. I mean, it's. I know you could get away with it. You know, more so I know a lot of people like Illinois and definitely the farther east you get because there's more urban areas where you could, you know you're 75 or 50 miles out from a town and you can, you can get that job or you've got some sort of small manufacturing company or, you know, whatever commercial company that's close enough to you that you could work at. But yeah, when you're, you're out in Kansas or Nebraska, you know, parts of Colorado and, you know, especially, you know, you get up to the Dakotas, I mean, you're, you're farming or you're, you know, you're, you're independently wealthy and you just bought a ranch so that you could kick back and, you know, retire. I mean, that's, that's pretty (laughs) much it. I mean, everybody I know that I bump into in Illinois, that's got a small farm, like they're like, Oh yeah, we, you know, I work nine to five here and then, you know, just, I'm still farming my parents' land and, you know, know, I got hobby farmers. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, I hate to call it. No, I wouldn't say they're hobby farmers. They're they're born and raised farmers, but you know, they're, they got the nine to five because they need the insurance. They need the, you know, the the retirement and, and yeah, so I mean, right. I think, you know, if it, you know, but yeah, it's, it's a money thing. You can't make the money that, you know, I don't know if you ever really, nobody ever got into farming to get super rich, I don't think, but you know, it's definitely not, 
as sustainable as it used to be, you know, if you're small. So when you're out and about uh, shooting uh, all your stuff, what, what kind of equipment do you use? And, you know, you can be as specific as you want, or <laughs> I, I think uh, the, the fact that you're still shooting on a large format camera is, to me, it's a wonderful thing. It is. And, uh, you know, it's funny, I, I find myself shooting on that more. So if people don't know, a large format camera is essentially, um, I've got the smallest of the large format cameras, which is a four by five, which, so if you're listening right now, uh, hold your hand up in your face. And most normal people, uh, if you just hold your hand flat, put all four fingers together, uh, that's roughly the size of one of my pieces of film. Um, so each time I slide that into like this kind of like plate like object it you know it's got a little it's a, called a film holder it holds two sheets of film you put it in one pull it pull it out so it can be exposed then flip it around and put the other side in and expose that yeah it's it, it's a fun process film isn't cheap uh, i will say that it's uh, i love telling people that each time i click the shutter it's uh, it's basically ten dollars a pop wow <laughs> Yeah, five dollars. Awesome. Five dollars for the sheet of film, and then five dollars to get that sheet of film developed. For those of you who are really into this and starting to salivate at the talk of film and large format film, I shoot Fuji uh, Velvia, which is uh, 100 speed, which is uh, it's slide film basically, uh, E6 process. So it essentially comes out just as it looks. It's not a negative. I haven't shot negative in in ages. I don't think so. I, I love the fact that you know. Worst case scenario, I could just hold it up and see exactly how it looks. And if you've ever held a four by five slide in front of your face, if it's properly exposed, it is one of the most gorgeous things in all of photography, with the exception of maybe an eight eight by ten slide, <laughs> <laughs> a bigger one, yeah, yeah, the larger yeah. of the yeah. larger, yeah. So, and then I, I think there's, I know, I think there's a, so there's there's eight, by, I think there's also eleven by fourteens. I don't know. If they, I'm sure some crazy person at one point had a bigger one, but my guess is that would have been uh, an actual photographic paper in the background and not uh, not necessarily um, a sheet of film, if you know what I'm saying, when it came to making the photo. So it would have been a a one time only. Well, you know, uh, Ansel Adams, that's that's what he did, all four by yeah. five and eight by ten, black and white. Yeah, I got a I got a shot of me standing. I, I, there's a shot of Ansel that used to hang up in the dark room at our college, and it was him on top of his like uh, was station wagon that he had with the uh, the four by five mounted up there. And yeah. I will admit, to get a better vantage, I have stood up on top of uh, I have a Nissan Xterra, which if you don't know is pretty far off the ground already. And then because it's an SUV, it's got even more. so I'm a, I've been a good like ten feet up in the air with that thing balancing on my roof, taking photos of. <laughs> You know, so I did a family reunion. I had one of the first digital cameras. I think it was a Canon D1. It was eight <laughs> megapixels. And I had my four by five Toyo and I had to shoot a family reunion in the grandstands of the Arkansas Valley Fairgrounds. Oh so I gosh. shot it on my digital, but then I shot it on my four by five Toyo field camera. And I ended up sending off the, the positive, the Velvia 50 and had a drum scanned to make the images for it and it produced better than what digital could do at the time so it's a tool it is it's uh i mean if you if you have the access to scan a four by five shot it uh, it's going to be better than anything you're getting off of 35 millimeter this to give you anybody idea when i scan a four by five slide in i will typically get roughly close to or just over two gigabytes per image. If I'm really nuts and I want to bump up 
the DPI, I've, I've had them as much as four gigs, but you know, there's a certain point where, you know, your scanner only goes, you know, so far. So it's, it's a little pointless to, to put it over a certain DPI, but it's fun. The amount of detail is just my Instagram post tonight. It was kind of funny. I, I put one up and I was like, I like messy photos. I like, and the reason <laughs> I like messy photos is because I have, I, I still look at a lot of my stuff on a like 24 inch monitor. I scan in, you know, four by five films. So it's, you know, it's, I love being able to kind of like zoom and look in and, and it's, I love Instagram because it, it lets so many people see my work, but at the same point, it's like, it's such a small screen. It just, it yeah. kind of, there's a part of me that's like, I mean, whenever I do a gallery show, I mean, like the smallest prints I have are, you know, 16 by 20, usually like 20 by 24 is the smallest. And then, uh, yeah, 20 by 24. The last one I did was 20 by 24 was the smallest and everything else was like, I want to say 36 by 40. Oh, right. So, nice. That's amazing. Yeah. Just looking at your images, it doesn't look like you do a lot of manipulation, but um, it's a lot of clarity and everything. I was just wondering what kind of equipment you use. What's no, no, the workflow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, what's your favorite utility software and your photo no, editing let's tricks? Here. Um, so I, I shoot all Canon. Uh, I, you know, I've got myself a, a 5D uh, Mark II and then uh, a 7D. I got a couple other little Canons that are old, like that I that I use for other stuff, but not really into this. Most of what I shoot is on the 5D. Um, I'm usually shooting, uh, my all-time favorite lens is a 16 to 35, 2.8. It's just, it's a beautiful lens. I mean, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the photographer, Robert Kappa. He was uh, roughly a World War II photographer. He's the guy who shot D-Day. So if you've ever seen Save It, Private Ryan, that kind of opening scene was taken roughly from his photographs of D-Day. Um, wow. They tried to kind of replicate that in that movie. But he had this saying, which was, if your photos aren't good enough, you're not close enough. So he also also died stepping on a landmine in Indochina during the Korean War. So, you know, he, he definitely lived up to that. But um, so I like to get nice and close. After that, um, I do have a Canon 1NRS that I shoot 35 millimeters film with. Once again, I shoot all slides with that. I don't, I will say, I, I've been very bad to my 35. I, I think I have the same roll of film in there that I did, you know, at the beginning of the summer last year. And I just finished it when I went to Texas because my four by five, really, you know, I, I do, I'll, I'll, I'll usually walk up to whatever location I'm at, figure out where I'm going to kind of shoot, come up, take a couple of a 35 millimeter shots, maybe a phone shot to, like, you know, do the social media thing. If I think I got something really cool. And then, um, then I start judging about whether or not I'm going to pull out the four by five. Cause like I said, it <laughs> at $10 a click, I mean, it's uh, you got to really think about it, but you know, then again, it's like, you know, when I'm going to some of these places, I mean, you know, I'm not going to be back anytime soon, you know, when I'm like 3000 miles from home. So, you know, if I'm going to take it, might as well take it now. But yeah, so I kind of plan the shot by kind of stalking my prey with the 35 millimeter and then bust out the four by five and take that after that, you know, obviously the digital stuff, uh, goes right into the, the laptop or the computer and I'll run it through uh, Lightroom. Uh, and actually I run it quickly through a program called Photo Mechanic. So if there's any- I've heard of that, yeah. It's a big photojournalist too. It's like Lightroom when it comes to looking at photos and tagging them um, and doing like caption stuff, but you, you don't really do any editing, uh, you know, maybe like cropping. I think you could crop in there, but it's, it's really great because there's no lag between going from one photo to the next. I mean, I could just sit there and like, just drum away with the, like the next button and like look through stuff really quick where Lightroom has that kind of that lag. 
Yeah, yeah. You lose, yeah, everything takes forever. Doesn't matter if you have two hundred photos in your catalog or six hundred thousand. It's it's going to take a while. So then I get into light, you know, look through, tag everything that I think is good. I give it like a star rating, you know, so I know the winners from the losers. Uh, you know, open it up in Lightroom. You know, go through and kind of keyword tag stuff, so I know like this is a church. This one was in Mississippi. This is you know uh, a tractor. This has a windmill in it. Uh, you know. Some of them, you know, I'll mark everything down so that it's, I know which ones were in Kansas and which ones were in, you know, Texas and which helps, you know, when I'm trying to like look something for like a blog post or if I'm, you know, when I start looking at the book, I'm, you know, it's going to help me narrow some stuff down. Uh, after that, I mean, you know, a little tweak here on the, uh, you know, the, the contrast, uh, maybe a bump up in the vibrance and, and ever so small saturation. I'll look for color correction if I need to, for some reason. And then that's it. I mean, the photojournalist in me won't let me do too much. I will admit, I do shoot some photos for HDR composites. So if I'm in a situation where I think I really need that kind of, you know, if I'm getting something that's really backlit or if it's a, it's a sunset, I'll, uh, you know, I'll do a triple bracket and then uh, merge it up in, in uh, what's the name of this? Photomatics Pro, which is uh, an HDR program. I like it much better than the, uh, the Lightroom or Photoshop HDR it just, there's more control and it just, my photos have always come out a little bit better. And so, yeah, I'll do an HDR every now and again, but it won't be super trippy or, you know, you, you've all seen bad HDR. I'm sure, oh yeah. Right? We, I've <laughs> done plenty of that myself. <laughs> oh yeah. Actually, yeah, I, yeah. We've, we've all been there. It's okay. Nobody's, you're forgiven for your sins. Yeah. Uh, then, uh, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I can't cast stones. I mean, you know, I've, I've done it too. Um, the film stuff, I, I have a, uh, Epson, um, uh, 750V Pro uh, flatbed scanner that does transparencies. And so that's where all the uh, 4x5 and um, 35 millimeter slides get scanned in. And then, you know, those take a little more correcting. They're not as nice as a drum scanner. So if you guys still have access to that drum scanner, um, I might bring some negatives out to Colorado with me the next time I go out. Because <laughs> the sharpness, I will say, is I, I've, been, I've been working on it. I've had the thing since 2008. And I have, uh, you know, it's, I've never really gotten quite the sharpness I had from when I had this, you know, really amazing Kodak scanner back in college that was probably like 10 grand, but you know, it's, you know, unless you got a, that, that's the problem with scanning. You're either, you're paying like, you know, a couple of hundred, you know, like five, 600 bucks for a scanner that's doing all right. Or you're paying like 15,000 for a scanner that gets exactly what you want or you're right. right. Yeah. So that's, that's my crux. I've never been able to truly find anything that I want that's, that's super good, but you know, it, it, it works so far. So I think if I ever, you know, I mean, I've, I, I've managed it. It's, it's, it's a good tool, uh, but I'm just picky. So I wish it could do a little bit better. No, it's amazing that you're still shooting film, you know, and anything I, when I looked at my positives, if I was going to make a big print or something, some of my best selling images um, were done. I, I would pay to have them drum scanned at 10,000 DPI in an oil drum scanner. You know, just because I knew it was going to be the best, the best that you could get. And, and yeah. if you get a drum scan, a 10,000 DPI drum scan um, off of a four by five positive, I mean, you can't get any, any better unless you're shooting with an eight by 10 positive. So yeah. I totally understand that. When it, it comes down to making a really large print with some of these, uh, there's a place that I go to in Chicago that still develops my four by five and, you know, does scanning. It's called gamma imaging. So if you guys 
any other four by five uh, shooters out there, Gamma Imaging, look them up in Chicago. They they do a great job, and they do E6, which one of my other favorite places, which is Miller's out of Kansas, does not do E6 four by five development. So when you started your Instagram feed with just the Lost Americana, how long how long has that been going? When did you start that Lost Americana? Uh, you know, I want to say 2016, you know, it's funny. I'm going to scroll back because I was already looking for something else. I will click here. Exactly. Uh, 2015, July 1st, 2015. So, you know, if you, if you hashtag lost Americana on Instagram, you could find some of the stuff that I used to post from my regular Instagram account, but basically 2015 is when I really started on Instagram as lost Americana. I mean, I always did a little dink and dunk here with my other account, but you know, it was just, like I said, there's pictures of my kids. There's of course, like everybody else on Instagram, I took a picture of like food that I ate at this restaurant or that restaurant. So, you know, especially in Chicago, there's just sure. food to, you know, take photos of, but yeah. But then, you know, like I said, as, as a general project, I mean, I essentially started this back in 96. <laughs> so I know for us, we every once in a while, we'll get into a strange situation, um, just a, a shady place to be. And just wondering if you had any of those kind of places that you've had to deal with. Oh, you guys are going to make me talk bad about certain states now, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. I try not to do this, but it, it it's so funny. I uh, I went one year from in the summer, I was out east. And then in the early fall, I was up in like Minnesota, kind of South Dakota border area. And it went from literally having somebody tell me they were going to make sure I didn't leave if I took a picture. Wow. <laughs> to That's serious. somebody. Why? Yeah. And, and mind you, this wasn't me. I'm like, I've been, I'll admit, I've been on people's properties before. I've, I don't cross no trespassing signs as much as I used to. I might flirt a little bit, like get past the fence a couple of feet, but most of the time, like I'm kind of, yeah, I'm 45, so I'm done with that. You know, when I was 25, I didn't care. And a lot of the times I'll take my kids with me on these tours sure. because it's, you know, it's cheaper than finding a babysitter for a week. <laughs> and they get to see America, which I, I love. They, I mean, they get to see some really cool stuff. But yeah, so, uh, but yeah, I went, like I said, two, three months later, I was up in Minnesota and I was on the side of a road and guy pulled up in his pickup truck, probably in his 70s, start talking to him talking about this house that I was taking a picture of that was literally in the middle of a cornfield. So there's no road out there really. And he's like, you want, you just drive out there and go take pictures of it. He's like, that's my property. He's like, have fun. He's like, go inside of it. It's, you know, do whatever you want, you know? So yeah, I just cool. threw it in four wheel drive, went out in the middle of his cornfield and started taking pictures. But yeah, it went from being on the street to getting invited to go to, you know, drive through your yard to, you know, if you take a picture <laughs> of my barn, I'll shoot you. So, you know, it's Minnesota nice is what he, uh, what he told me it was called. Cause I, I oh, shared a similar, shared that story with him. So, but yeah, I definitely, there's a part of me that I will admit I have a sweet spot for places West of the Mississippi because they have generally been uh, a lot kinder to me. I will admit that I've been threatened in my own state of Illinois as well. So, you know, not just a bias to East coast. I've, I get weird looks, you know, just about everywhere I go. I mean, it's, it's but it's one of the things I love about the four by five too. I mean, that, it's on a giant tripod. The things you'll see it. It's, you know, by the time you get composing the shot and you got to throw the bag over your head and compose it. And then, you know, it, it takes some time and people are, are always curious. So they will, you know, I, I, some of my best stories I get from 
people who pulled over to talk to me because I had my four by five out. Well, on that story note, what's your favorite story to tell from your adventures? What's something that really sticks in your memory? One of my favorite stories to tell is about Manchester, Kansas, which I mentioned earlier because uh, it's, it's just as beautiful, you know, kind of main street. You can see it. It's at the very bottom of the first page, uh, you know, the basically homepage of lostamericana.com. And it is, uh, I, I pulled up on it. It was right around sunset. And if you, if you look on a map and you see where Manchester is, there's a road that goes by and it kind of curves around the, t- not curves around, but just kind of like snakes around the south end of the town, but there's no road that goes right through Manchester. So you have to exit. And there's this little blue sign that's like an arrow that says Manchester, and it's pointing to your right when you're driving west towards town. And so I decided, I'm like, eh, got nothing else to do. Sun's going to go down soon. Might as well stop here and see what this town's got. They had a cool old, one of those silver water towers. And so I pull up and I'm, you know, coming up to the stop sign literally on the corner of, I think it was... Bone Break and Robinson or, or Bone Break in Maine or Robinson in Maine is, is literally the name of these streets. So I remember Robinson nice. is my wife's maiden name and Bone Break was, a, I went to school with a kid named Bone Break. So it was, and I'm pulling up and I, you know, I'm coming up to a stop sign and you know, you do what you do when you come to any stop sign, you look right. And then I look left and I look left and I see what honest to God looks like a set out of a wild west movie. Like Hollywood just dropped an abandoned ghost town right on this place. And my jaw hit the steering wheel. I mean, metaphorically, but almost literally, cause I, I will, my mouth was wide open. I'm just looking, I'm like, you gotta be, and if you get a bleep button, now would be the time to throw that in. <laughs> <laughs> and before I could realize it, luckily it was mostly kind of a ghost town. I think there's like 50 people that live there. I was already midway through the intersection because I never fully depressed my break. I was like just that awestruck. And and those are the kind of moments that I think, you know, that was 2008. You know, I already been photographing for like, you know, 12 years at that point. And I think that was that was one of those moments like I kind of lived for that. And that's part of the reason why I'll put 4,000 miles on my truck and be gone from home for like 14 days in a row when I can get it. Wow. And why... That's why great. I dragged a, a one and a half year old with me across the country because I just couldn't sit at home for like, you know, another summer vacation. So you you almost uh, covered two questions in one favorite story to tell from the adventures and best places. So yeah, like Manchester, Kansas was uh, one of those. So, Vincent. I'll let you roll with this. So some of that was some of your nicer places. So well, it's been some of your worst places. Ah, worst places. You know, it, it, there's just times when you go out and, you know, you have, it's funny because I, I thought it was my worst place when I was there. I did North Dakota and it was one of the few times I was ever specifically like, and it was great because I, I picked a spot. I, I, I stayed in that area and just kind of like worked around. So I'd leave in the morning and one day I was, I was going to go to the, all the locations South and the other one I was going to go to all the West. And, and I got some of my favorite shots from this North Dakota trip. And this was back in 2015 uh, but it was it was a wildfire year, and it was it was summer. It was just really hot, and just every day was just hazy, smoky, and that actually turned out to be a good trip. So I guess that didn't quite answer the question. I, I got some amazing shots that week, but there's been times where you know when I'm out on the road. I mean, you're gone for a while. You're you're away from home. Every 
every day you're dropping, you know, X number of dollars on a hotel or a motel. Um, you know, cause most of the time I don't book in a place for more than like a day or two. And you know, you're, you're racking up gas and you're just like, you know, what the hell am I doing? I mean, and this is even before Instagram, you're just like, why am I doing this? Like, am I nuts? I got to put out a book. I got to stop. And so, you know, I think the worst trips are the ones when I get some self-doubt. And, you know, thank God for modern telephones because you could see where weather is. And I, this last trip that I was at in Texas, you know, a lot of Texas and Oklahoma were overcast for me. And I, I, I think I shot for like five days uh, on the end of this trip. And it was cloudy for four out of the five. And then the one day that it wasn't cloudy was the day that I actually was doing a video interview for the documentary you know, for the film side of it. And so like, I was literally inside interviewing somebody for like three prime hours of the day, uh, of sunlight in January, <laughs> which if you know, you know, January, right. there's not a lot of prime sunlight to begin with. So you, you get doubtful. I mean, like, I think I was going to stay out another two days and I was just kind of like, you get to the point you're like, I'm done. I just, I got to get home. I got to go see my wife. I got to sleep in my own bed. And <laughs> You know, sometimes when you see a Manchester, Kansas, it's easy. I think when you hit the turnaround point, that's usually what it is for me. Like going down, you're always, I I get really pumped, Uh, you know, because like I said, most of the trips I do, they're at least seven to 10 days. Um, Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. And I think the first, yeah, well, I haven't really had too many serious vacations over the past 20 years. I mean, I'm, I'm telling you, I, I worked in software for a while. So luckily it was a, uh, a European based country or company. So I had three weeks of vacation that were paid and, but yeah, that I spent my, my 20 somethings. I mean, I was 25, 26, you know, graduated from college and I, that's what I would do for my vacation. I would take some time off from work and drive out and go to Colorado and go to Nebraska and, you know, go to Texas and just take pictures in rural America. I mean, that was, you know, my friends were going to Cancun and I was like, yeah, no, I'm, 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 I'm going to Nebraska. And they're like, what is wrong? <laughs> town. So yeah. I, I, there's a part of me yeah. that wishes social media was around when I was doing this, because I, I think, you know, like it's funny, I always get a little old man bitter when I see like, you know, 20 somethings doing something that I was doing when I was in my twenties, but they're, you know, doing it now, like we're shooting film and we're taking pictures of abandoned places. And they're like, look at this young person doing this. I'm like, I was doing that when I was young. Vincent and I sometimes will, uh, if we're going to plan out a trip, we'll load the cooler and we'll either do my vehicle or his. And sometimes, you know, we've done we done one day where we put on 400 miles in a day. We always end up back home, but you know, it's just one of those things where you, uh, you, you just go out and you capture all that you can and not, not everything you're going to find is going to be perfect, but we always oh, yeah. seem to find something, you know, that that's really good. And not, not every trip can be perfect. And we understand that, you know, we've, we've had a few times where we, had big expectations, but you know, that's no, just no, the way it goes. Been there. Yeah. I think, you know, like I, I know where you guys are staying cause we talked about this briefly the other day and I think it's a beautiful part of the country. I mean, I've, like I said, it was so beautiful. I slapped my GoPro up in the driver, you know, on the passenger side window and just recorded the drive uh, east of where you guys lived when I was driving it. Cause it was just, oh. you know, breathtaking. And, uh, yeah, you know, like I said, for me, it's like, you know, I, I got to get 120 miles from my house before I could even think about getting good stuff like that. So, 
Right. It's like I'm I'm yeah. already in for at least 200 miles each time I uh, you know go out. It's like just the hundred to get out of the you know the metropolitan area and the hundred to get back in. So, but you know Illinois still surprises me. You know it's I went out on a trip. I found an abandoned college. You know the last time uh, I, I kind of did a serious Illinois trip, which was in like October of last year, and I was just like, whoa, like here's a college and it's empty and it's just they landscaped it. It's, they turned it into an arboretum basically. So it's, nobody gets to go in the buildings anymore, but there's this, you know, it looks like a mini Harvard in the middle of this small little Midwestern town. And, you know, the city's maintaining the land, but you know, the building is slowly falling to pieces. So it's, but it's, yeah, it's a weird, beautiful juxtaposition. If you were going to tell somebody to, Hey, go check this out on your Instagram feed. What is your best shot? And why, why do you think it's your best shot? Uh, I, I literally think it's that shot that I was talking about, uh, from Manchester, Kansas. I mean, it's, um, one of the things I have a hard time doing as, uh, as a photographer is, you know, separating the emotions from the photo. Uh, it's, it's why whenever I'm editing down for a show or when I'm, when I'm looking at the book, I have people who are in the photography business, people who are in the design business, people who are in the neither, just like normal people. And I'm like, I want you to look at this. I'm like, I want you to tell me which ones you like. And I, I don't tell them which ones I like. I just say, hey, I've selected like these 500 photos. We're going to run however many of them. And the reason I do that is because it always surprises me what they like, what sticks out to them. Like there's there's been some hidden gems that I never would have picked. But like, you know, you got four people from three different walks of life picking out a photo that you kind of were just like, yeah, that's junk pile stuff. And they're like, this is amazing. Um, so I think right. you know, like the love for, for Manchester, the fact that Manchester, there's, there's a great, if you really want to not only see the photo, go to the website, go to the blog and um, the, there's a blog post on there and it's, it's called, I want to say it's called some places you can't go back to. Nice title. And it, yeah, let me let me see. I'm Manchester, Kansas, some places you can never go back to. Uh, and it's it's just, you know, it's gone. What what was there and what I found just, you know, 10 years ago is is no more. And luckily enough, I swung by, I think, in 2015 or 2014 and and brought my kids with. So I've got a photo of me and my boys out in front of this place that's that's no longer there that I I truly loved. It was the one place I would never tell anybody where it was. So yeah, that's, that's the shot. And I mean, I think it's, it's kind of the gateway drug to get people who aren't interested in Rurex and aren't interested in Urbex to kind of like, Hey, this is, and that's the other reason why I lost Americana. I mean, to me, it's, it's not just, Hey, look at me. I'm going to go and take pictures of rundown rusty things. You know, there's beauty in that. I mean, I love Urbex and Rurex, but you know, like I said, there's that part of me that fights with like, do I really need to go inside? I mean, I have lots of people like, Oh, I'd love to see the inside. I'm like, eh, I'm more interested in the story behind the place than, you know, you know, I've seen the inside. It's sure. got a bunch of raccoon poop and you know, there's like a dead squirrel in the corner. There's some cigarettes, some jackass spray painted something over here, like his name. And like, yeah, I don't uh, know. Yeah. Yeah. And they've been through that. So, For sure. you know, some of them are really beautiful, but to me it's, it's the outside and the story that goes along with, you know, the places and, and what they were and, you know, what they probably never will be again. Hey, so you, you mentioned a little bit about your project, your video project and <laughs> several other things and that you've uh, done a little bit of showing. It sounds like Do you have any upcoming shows that you're doing or. 
I, like I said, the, the, the big focus this year is getting, is getting the book out. So I just, yeah. I scanned, uh, oh, what was it? Uh, you know, the last 20 years worth of film that I hadn't scanned. So like everything that I shot on negative slides, it's all officially digitized now so that I can go through and, uh, you know, pick out, you know, there's some great stuff. I mean, there's, I, I found shots in there cause you know, back in the, the day, I mean, you, you'd pick out like two or three shots that you wanted scanned in because you had limited use on a scanner or you just, you didn't have the space. I mean, I remember before hard drive, external hard drives became so cheap, you know, you'd run a room on your computer. So you'd burn everything on a, on a CD or a DVD to like keep it, you know, still digital, but like not on your computer all the time. And so now that I have, you know, uh, I think I got like 25 terabytes worth of external hard drive. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah, well, that's for all my video stuff. Not just if I had that for Lost Americana, that'd be insane. But um, so, yeah, I mean, it's it, that's that's my big project now, making sure that the uh, the book gets done because I'm sick of telling people, oh, it's going to come out next year. Oh, yeah, yeah, we're working on it. I mean, last year was the year it was supposed to happen, and then I had a house fire. So, oh <laughs> it my really goodness, kinda, yeah, that that put the whole year uh, in, uh, in in a crunch there, and so things finally started to get back to normal around like November of October last year. And so now that this is my goal, like I'm, I'm doing it. Doesn't matter how many prints I get. Doesn't, you know, if, if my mom and my wife are the only two people that, you know, fund the Kickstarter, I'm going to make a couple of blurb books and give it to them. <laughs> I've got a decent following, like I said, and enough people have signed up on email and there's, it's, it's getting some good buzz. I mean, I got a, feature in my hometown newspaper. They did like a full page spread on me, which was really cool. So it was, uh, awesome. you know, yeah. So there's, you know, we'll, we'll see. I mean, then, Hey, stuff like this podcast. I mean, it's <laughs> every little bit helps. Do you have any art shows or exhibitions or anything? So I did have one in January of last year. So 2018, I had a small one that was, uh, at a local church that has an art space there. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's one of those things, printing, is not the hard part. It's the framing that gets expensive. So exactly. You know, sure. And you know, I know I've had tons of people tell me like, Oh, you should check out this place. And it's, I don't know. There's a part of me that I've never done it. I've never seriously gone after kind of getting it displayed in, in exhibits or galleries. And I think that's one of the things I really need to work on a little more is the, the outreach. Like I said, you know, I've been doing this for 25 years and most of the stuff has been in a box, not scanned in and, you know, not digitized, uh, you know, so I, I really, I enjoy Instagram because it kind of allowed me to start sharing the stuff that I wasn't, you know, I'd tell people about the project all the time and I'd, you know, show them a couple of photos on my phone, but you know, I wasn't really kind of, I guess, pimping it like I should have been. <laughs> it's a learning process, you know, yeah. you, you learn what, what works for you. And so I'll let Vincent finish up. And then when we're finished with the podcast, we can chat a bit more. You got any people that you would like to give a shout out to on Instagram or any of your, uh, photographer friends or art influences? Yeah, no, absolutely. So, uh, I, I will say, um, I, I, yeah, you guys asked me this in advance, so I came up with some names and I'm going to stick with, uh, I'm going to do a little home state, you know, love here because I think Illinois has been getting slapped around a lot in the media, you know, left and right. <laughs> so if it's, if it's not something our president's saying, it's somebody's talking about how everybody's leaving our state. So, uh, I'm going to give the people that are still here some, some love. Um, I, I know a gentleman named Will, uh, who is W J A L B E R Will Jalber, I believe might, or W Jalber would be his, uh, Instagram. He's one. Um, I think you guys might know rural revivals. 
Yep. yep. She's another, she's another Illinois person. Uh, and then, uh, I think you guys know Amy Tycon yep. dog, or I don't, I'm yes. not entirely sure how if we're supposed to, it's, if it's supposed to be tick on dog or Tycon dog. <laughs> or, that's I should a good one. I, 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 I call it Tycon dog. So yeah, that's, that's what I do too. So it was funny for the longest time. I think we were talking through messenger one time and I was like, Oh yeah, dude, great, great photos. Love your stuff, man. And she's like, hi, my name is Amy. I'm like, I'm a oh, girl. I'm a girl. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's, Hey, and, and I'm going to give a shout out to all the, you know, the, the women on Instagram that are doing this because I think, oh, you know, when I so started, many. I started doing like, you know, this, you know, we'll call it Urbex and Rurex stuff. I mean, it was, it was guys, it was a bunch of dudes shooting film, going out and exploring places and, and more. I mean, I, if half the people I follow right now aren't at least women, if not more, I would, I would be surprised outside of right. the, uh, the wonderful, um, you know, Instagram world. I will say, uh, I have, uh, there's a gentleman that I have been referred to. Uh, people tell me that I need to look at his work and here's going to be the funny thing. I'm going to tell you to check this guy's workout, even though I have not done so myself and people have been telling me to do so for 20 years. Uh, his name is David Plowden. He's another Illinois guy. He's been doing stuff since like the 60s. I mean, this guy's got steam train photos from when steam trains were actually still being used and not just, you know, on display at a museum. Right. So he's, but, you know, like I said, somewhere along my college days, people are like, oh, what you're doing reminds me a lot of David Plowden. You should check him out. And I'm like, I'm never going to look at this guy because I don't want to like, you know, <laughs> see his work until after I put a book out. I don't want him to like taint my style. And true to form, I still have not. I own two of his books that I have never cracked open the covers and looked at. So. Oh, man. That's like a surprise. You got a surprise there. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm, I'm hoping I do. So when the book comes out, I've got two books that I get to look at. So, And then uh, another Illinois person I got is uh, his name, although he's in California now, he shoots for the uh, San Francisco uh, Chronicle. Uh, his name is Scott Strazanti. So uh, it's basically S T R A Z A. Actually, I might be spelling it wrong. So just Scott Strazani shoots for the San Francisco Chronicle. He is not an Urbex guy, uh, you know, or is he shooting rural scenes? He's, you know, you're going to see stuff from uh, the, you know, the Warriors games and just, you know, street photography. And he does a lot of really neat stuff. He's got this set that he's doing now that I, I, I told him he needs to stop because I hate him because he keeps making <laughs> stuff that's just like mind blowing. And I'm like, it, it's, it, it, it upsets me because just when I think I've been getting better, um, you're doing this, you know, so he's doing a series on the Pacific ocean and they're like motion blurred time lapse. I mean, it just, it, Oh man, it, it, it you got it, it. They're, they're crazy. He's, he's shooting it at like sunset and just, I don't know what he's doing, but it's just, it's art. I mean, that's all I could say. So you're going to look at it and you're going to be like, my mind is blown. So those, that's, yeah, that's, that's awesome. my Illinois, uh, it's not a trifecta it's a fivefecta i guess it's just that's five people so yeah good good so what's the best way that people can get in touch with you you know you have your instagram we want you to tell us so, about that but websites have, anything like that yeah i have tried to pretty much lock down the term lost americana on just about any of the social medias that people actually care about <laughs> so if you're like that sure. one guy uh, you know, decided to take it on. Uh, I'm trying to think like what's, what's, in, you know, I had it on Google plus, so I can't even make that joke, but uh, yeah, lost America. <laughs> Google plus. Yeah, I did. Hey, I, I was one of the early, I, I got, I got the early invite. So I loved Google plus. I thought it was much better than Facebook, but you know, alas, people couldn't yep. give up their, 
Jacques Herberg. So, um, yeah, but Lost Americana on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. I mean, you just do the Facebook slash Lost Americana, all one word, Twitter slash, and, and you will find me, the website, lostamericana.com. It's got a contact page on there. I think it's called, I think it's actually a connect page. I was trying to be fancy. I won't lie. Um, so yeah, that, that's <laughs> oh, the that's best good. way to get a hold of me. If you're, if you're really, if you're really nice, I'll slip you my cell phone number too. I think Lex has it. I don't know if Vince does. Yep. Actually, yeah. you both do. It's, it's, yeah, I, when I reply in my emails, it's always in the bottom there. So I'm not, I've got it turned on do not disturb after 1030 central time. So, you know, you can call me all you want if you got it. I'm you're unless you're on that, uh, you know, um, close friends list, it's not going to ring. <laughs> Two in the afternoon, it'll ring. But yeah, like one in the morning, you're not going to wake me up if you're you're butt dialing me by accident. Hey, well, Vincent, it's it's been a real pleasure to get a chance to just talk about the abandon and and your project, your pet project, and uh, so happy that you were able to get on with this. Yeah, no, and I'm happy Thanks. to hear that you guys are doing better now that the bomb cyclone is over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's all it's good to have that over now. This is our second. Yeah. This is our second shot at the podcast. So, <laughs> yeah. thanks so much for all the the time you put into it, and uh, we sure appreciate you telling us all about your work. Oh, hey guys, thanks, thanks for the love. It uh, it, it means a lot. It's uh, it'll it'll probably keep me going for uh, you know a couple more uh, days on the next trip that I'm out. Just you know, when I get the affirmation like this, it's nice to see that uh, somebody thinks that what I'm doing is interesting. I'm not the only one that's in the barns that are empty in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> Well, good. Well, next time you're in Colorado, you got to come find us. Oh, that's uh, don't 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 make any promises now. I, I do oh, travel. I realize this, right? <laughs> I go more than two hundred miles. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. It's good. I, I have a daughter that just moved out, so I have a spare bed. Ah, there we go. Nice, perfect. Sounds awesome. All right. Hey, well, thanks once again. Thanks. Thanks so much. Welcome, gentlemen. Thank you. Once again, thank you, Vincent, for being our guest on this, our second Capturing the Abandoned podcast. And be sure to visit Vincent's website at lostamericana.com and sign up for his newsletter. Also, be sure to visit his Instagram page and follow him there. We've reached the end of this episode of Capturing the Abandoned, and we hope that you have enjoyed it. You should be able to find this podcast wherever fine podcasts are served, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, Overcast, and more. Please subscribe and be sure to let any of your adventurous friends and relatives know about this podcast. In order to continue to make this podcast better, your feedback is important to us, so please feel free to reach out to us at CapturingTheAbandoned at gmail.com and leave us your thoughts, ideas, and suggestions on how we can improve this show and bring you the best Capturing the Abandoned experience. Be sure to visit the Colorado Abandoned website at coloradoabandoned.com. And while you're at it, be sure to check out our podcast page by searching Facebook for Capturing the Abandoned. We just recently created a Facebook group page called, you guessed it, Capturing the Abandoned International where we hope to have anyone and everyone from any country post and share their rural and urban abandoned pictures and stories with everyone else. Please stop by and contribute. And until next time, be safe out there. <laughs>